Ladies and gentlemen, we hope you enjoyed that new version of the intro I whipped up 10 minutes before the show. Feeling pretty good Nicely about it. Nicely done. <laughs> uh, guys, welcome back to the Shea Station podcast, your greatest place for all your Mets recap and news. I'm Jolly, that's Jerry, and we have yet another series win to talk about, baby. That's exciting stuff, man. I, I like that you went very recent on your on your uh, Gary Cohen call there. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were rocking the, the Bartolo home run for so long. Yeah, we got to get new ones. Yeah, it's nice to be up to date, if you will, uh, because we got a lot of stuff to be happy about. Another series win, this time against a really, really talented uh, St. Louis Cardinals team. And uh, the Mets are in a much deserved, much earned off day. Yeah. I think that's that's a huge key point here. These guys have played a great brand of baseball. They had a very exasperating game three that I'm sure we'll be talking about at length. But your 14-6 and six Mets are looking pretty good towards the end of April. One more big set with Philadelphia before we kick off May. But there's a lot to take away from this series between game one, game two, game three. I mean, every, every game has something fun storyline-wise. So I guess, like, do you want to dive in? Do we want to wait? Let's dive in. Let's right, get right cool. to it. You take game one. Oh, game one was a doozy. It happened on my birthday, and I was very scared that I was going to get a bad birthday present from my team. Uh, the Mets were stymied by Miles Mikolas for seven innings. They could not figure that guy out. Luckily, on the other side of the bump was Max Scherzer, who tossed seven scoreless innings. Two hits, one walk, 10 strikeouts, over 101 pitches for Max. Another great start. Back-to-back starts have been fantastic for him. 14 scoreless innings, 20 Ks in that span. Um, important thing to note that we'll touch on a little bit later. Mykolas hit Mark Canna in this game. We're going to talk a lot about hit-by-pitches this episode. I'm sure you know why. Cardinals broke through in the eighth inning for two runs against Trevor May. Tough inning there for him. In for the save, Giovanni Gallegos got two outs pretty quickly, gave up a single in that span, but it looked like curtains for the Mets. And then Mark Canna worked this beautiful seven-pitch at-bat. Actually, he talked with Gary Cohen about this after. I want to talk about what they talked about. Uh, Seven-pitch at-bat, fought off a bunch of sliders, hooked one down the line. Nolan Arenado makes a rare, rare error, throws it over first base. The Mets get a run. Then a McNeil double and Dom Smith, which you just heard on the call in the intro, lines one to first. Goldschmidt, honestly, with a great play, flipped it, didn't get there in time. The Mets scored two. Nemo puts the game away with a two-run homer off McFarland. Edwin Diaz came in to lock the save, and the Mets win a game 5-2 to two, that I feel like in the past I've only seen them lose, which was really encouraging. They stole it, man. Two outs by, in the ninth. Uh, Arenado, I think they actually gave it a hit and an error, which will definitely be yeah. challenged and reversed. Yeah. 100% an error on the maybe the greatest defensive third baseman of this era in Nolan Arenado. Um, but that was a huge gritty win for the Mets. They came out, got their their lineup was just dominated by uh Cardinals pitching, matched step and step with Max Scherzer, but you know, it came down and they had a letdown with Trevor May kind of let let the air out of the game a little bit, deflated on your birthday. You were like, oh, I didn't believe you know, maybe maybe it's not going to be great because it was late in the game. It just felt like this one got away from us. And then the pesky, gritty Mets. What What's the what's the thing you've been using on Twitter? What is it? What, I, is it I, for whenever Mark Canna gets on base, I say stay pesky. And I just love the grit of this team. The dog, the grit. a lot of high team. grit on your baseball savant. So the it was dog. very gritty, a gritty win. Absolutely, it was uh, a, a lot of things had to go their way. You know, they talk about luck. Uh, better to be lucky than good on a lot of times, but luck is is only works out in your favor when you're prepared to take advantage of it. And the Mets did. They played hard to the last out, to the last strike. They put the pressure on, and sometimes it's going to come up your way, but it only comes up your way if you've constantly putting pressure out there on the defense. Very impressive win. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a ninth inning that I feel like I've only ever seen from the other side. Uh, these Mets, like, it was a two-out rally, which this team has put up a bunch of two-out runs this year. They lead MLB in two-out runs as of today. Um, and, I mean, some things turn your way sometimes. I mean, that Nolan Arenado play was not easy, but he is a guy that makes that play. I think if he doesn't take the five steps – rush the throw and throw it over at the same time dom smith coming up ice cold and a pinch hit has to work a great count there against a tough pitcher in gallegos and goldie made a great play that i thought would have ended the game in heartbreak 
Instead, the pitcher forgets to cover the mound. Goldie, the entire time, as soon as he flips the ball, is telling him, go home, throw home. But uh, Gallegos turns, checks for the umpire's call, and then, you know, it's a bang-bang play at the plate. And if he just turns and fires, maybe it's a tie game. Maybe we go to extras. Maybe we lose that game. So sometimes things just turn your way. It's great. A lot of things went the way. So that was a big win. We move on to game two. That was uh, Chris Bassett versus the bullpen guy turned starter in Jordan Hicks. Mr. 104 looked fantastic. Uh, He took a line drive off his wrist, which was very familiar to me that ended up fracturing my arm, which was why I was curious that they let him out there and let him keep throwing because it came back to bite him. He wasn't comfortable. He came back in that third and James McCann gets the Mets on the board first. James McCann. Yes, you heard that correctly. Laces a double over the very defensive first Harrison Bader burns him to dead center. Uh, and that scores Jeff McNeil. He burned him. Then Starling Marte singles in McCann to make that 2 nothing in the third. Uh, and that would be all the Mets needed because Chris Bassett was stellar once again, goes six strong, six shutout, uh, gives him two hits, has 6K, did have three walks, but he was, you know, the, the, the turn of phrase is gritty, man. He made it happen when he did. Um, the Mets ended up getting another one in the, in the ninth when Starling Marte with the bases loaded. Once again, another Met gets hit by a pitch, mm-hmm. wore one off the arm really hard, uh, and stood there like, "Are you got? You got to be excuse my language because you got to be fucking kidding me, man." You know it wasn't on purpose because the bases were loaded in a two zero game, but come on, like come on. this is getting crazy. Is basically what he was saying, and so uh, you know, Marte with another two out double, the Mets win. You get Drew Smith, Adam Adovino, and then Diaz comes in to slam the door closed. Uh, a brilliant 3 nothing Mets win in game two. You want a fun stat here, Jerry? It's not fun. Yes. It's actually uh, gets my blood going a little bit. The Mets have 19 hit batters on the season that far and away leads MLB. 19 second place is 13 with the Orioles. The Pirates, Astros, White Sox, Royals, all combined with the Tigers as well, have 18 combined. That's five different teams that don't even amount to the amount of times the Mets have been hit. So if you find yourself wondering why what happened in game three next happened, I'm pretty sure that's a pretty good reason there. I mean, it's just kind of, it led to a run here, which is always great, but you don't want your guys risking injury and getting hit all the time. I know that we have guys that like thrive on it, like Nimmo and Canna, but at the same time, it's just, it's too much. Nobody wants to get hit anymore. No. Like guys throw too hard. It's too, you're, you're too vulnerable for big chunks of time missed. Understanding that it's not on purpose, but it doesn't matter. And 10 at this point doesn't matter because it needs to stop happening. Yeah. If you can't control it to where the Mets get hit all the time, then the Mets are going to have to stand up for themselves. Even if it wasn't on purpose, that has to be in your head that if I even hit this guy, this team on accident, that my guys are going to pay the price. So if you're trying to pitch up in the zone and you have you don't have control, guess what? You're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. Because if you plunk one of our guys on accident, we're going after your best players on purpose because you need to learn how to control it. This is the big leagues. We'll get into it. Yeah. Uh, do you want to let's get into it now? Yeah, honestly, let's 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 dive in so, a little bit. So this is it. This is it. The Mets are fed up. This is the big leagues. These are guys that are at the top of their game pitching wise that should be able to control it. One here, one there. Even when when Lindor got hit in the face the first time, they were like, you know, what's the big deal? McCann almost gets hit in the first in Washington. They're like, look, this is crazy. Like, you know, we understand that there's no intent to do it, but come on, we're here. How many did you say, 19? 19 on the season. 19 on the season and way too many up at people's heads. Alonso gets hit in the head again wild like this just shouldn't happen uh it can't happen anymore yeah it's it's, i don't there's no more the entire league anybody that comes in to face the mets is now aware that this team has been hit unintentionally or intentionally too many times to know that if you hit one of our guys like with a fastball especially up your guys are going to get plunked i don't care who it is i don't care what it is this is the whole league is on notice now because the Mets have to stand up for themselves. So that's 
that's where we are. I wholeheartedly agree. It's it's a tough perspective to understand if you are a Cardinals fan or an opposing fan where you feel like none of these hit-by-pitches were intentional and that retaliation wasn't deserved or anything like that. But, like, I'm glad that the Mets have a little bit of, like, the enemy status in them. Like, play up to being the bad guy. Play up to, like, standing up for your team and not taking any bullshit from other teams. Like, it's a, it's a very old saying, but if you can't throw high and tight... If you're in the major leagues and you can't throw high and tight without hitting a guy, then you shouldn't be throwing there. You shouldn't be throwing at the big leagues. Absolutely. And like we can talk about the balls. Like Bassett talked a lot of bit a lot about like the grip of the balls and stuff like that. But at the same time, like the Mets have six more hit by pitches than any other team in baseball. Only five teams have above ten and they have nineteen. And in twenty games, that's ridiculous. We had uh, Dom Smith get hit on a breaking ball. Not a big deal, but still another hit by pitch. And then you had Pete Alonso get hit in the head again for the second time this season. And then Marte wears one hard up in the arm yeah. for an RBI. None of them are on purpose, but guess what? Like, they that, you have to be able to control yourself now. Like, it's beyond anything. So, understand going in when you're facing the New York Mets, they've been classy. The Mets have been classy. Buck Showalter has led them in the proper direction, but now it becomes, uh, all right, we're not going to let you be, we're literally not going to be a pin cushion for you to just punch whenever we're not a punching bag. I don't care how many times we're going to beat you on the field. We're not going to let you just get sucker punches in. This is it's too, it's gone too far, too quickly, too early in this season. Because if they don't start standing up for themselves, teams are just going to still feel comfortable to throw the ball up and in. And if it gets away, it gets away. They're not going to feel the pressure to hit their spots. And the pressure that they need to feel is real now. Yeah. I mean, this all came to uh, a boil over point in game three. Uh, The Mets jumped out to a 4-1 lead off Mats, had that blow up inning in the third. Nito and Nimmo had two run doubles. Uh, Eddie, Canna, Giorme, they all had two hits in this game. So, like, good offensive performance by the team. Cookie had kind of an implosion in the fourth inning, a five-run fourth. Not used to what we're seeing from him this season so far. He's been really good at, like, keeping the uh, the rallies from not expanding too far. But this game, he saw his ERA jump from 1.47 to 4.09. The Cardinals just kind of jumped on the Mets' bullpen after they took out to a 10-5 to lead. But then the story of this game really happens in the later innings, in the seventh and eighth inning. Uh, Genesis Cabrera hits J.D. Davis uh, pretty hard in the foot. J.D. had to come out of the game. Uh, x-rays were negative so he's not going to hit the aisle or anything but he's very sore this is on his birthday too tough luck for jd and then i mean yoan lopez said in the post game that he was not intending to throw that high and tight at nolan arenado but when it happened it sure seemed like it made a lot of sense and that a lot of people saw it coming uh in the eighth inning they throw at nolan arenado they don't hit him but nolan kind of you know charges the man a little bit throws nito out of the way the bench is empty uh, a little bit of punches were thrown. Pete Alonso gets dragged to the ground. It's a very, uh, you know, high-intensity fight that we ha- we haven't really seen from the Mets in a while. We've seen, you know, we saw the benches clear against the Yankees last year. That was kind of all good and fun, kind of a silly fight in general. This one is much more real. This is the frustrations of a team that has been dealing with this every single game of the season, and they won another series, but at the same time, like, every day, it kind of seems like these guys are just at risk of getting hit high and tight over and over and over again, and I think that, this kind of reaction was important for this team. I think this team needs to show a little bit of fire. You have a new manager. You have kind of a new identity as a team as well. And you need to show teams that you're not willing to put up with any bullshit and not willing to just get walked all over like maybe some prior Mets teams would have. So the scrum happens. The Cardinals win the rubber match. The Mets take the series. But I think that there's a lot of fire in this team now going into a very like heated series against Philadelphia at home this weekend. Yeah, so a couple of things. First of all, Cookie got his butt kicked um he didn't look terrible they are just a good team that ran into him he missed got a, gave up a lot of hits on different pitches he was trying to make the adjustment got his got, got we got our butts kicked we we blew a chance to sweep yeah so that's that's the story but a couple of things first of all arenado has i love i love nolan arenado as a player i think he's a phenomenal athlete talent um i like the way he plays the game there's a little bit of history of him there. So uh, when he was with the Rockies, mm-hmm. the Rockies had hit the Padres a few times. I don't even remember what year, but Luis Perdomo was pitching through Arenado, and Arenado charged the mound. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with Arenado charging the mound there. Your guys, they put they put a guy on the DL for the Padres, and they said we're going to hit Arenado. 
this is your best guy. You got to wear one for the team. Arenado didn't appreciate it. Mm -hmm. In this situation, I understand Arenado's thought because all, all things being equal, all things being perfect, Yoan Lopez isn't the guy that should be doing it. Yeah. It should be a Trevor May, an established guy that has some control that dots him in the ribs, hits him. You know, you aim for right above the hip and you have a little bit of, of leeway there. You throw at him one time and you hit him and it's over. He would have walked to first. But he didn't like the fact that Lopez missed up mm. right by his head. Well, guess what, dude? This is the whole reason why we're throwing at you is because the Mets have been, even by your team, who just hit Pete Alonso in the head. It was on, a, I think it was a changeup, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. So I understand why he was heated. If the Mets were perfect in the sense it wouldn't have been Yoan Lopez because it shouldn't be a guy that's just a guy. No offense to him, but on this team, you need a guy established that you can stand, that knows how to do it, knows how to control it, to plunk him. Yeah. Hit him in the ribs. He goes down to first, but what he was pissed. He was like, yo, you're going to, after all this bullshit, you're going to pull the same stuff and miss up. So I understand why he got heated. Don't touch Nito. Yeah. I mean, don't that, throw that was Nito. Me. Whoever their, I think their first base coach grabbed Alonso and started wrestling him because Pete we had was a very collar angry. neck on Alonso and then like five guys. Don't fucking to touch, don't touch Pete Alonso either. That got me going. Yeah. Let the guys come in and speak their mind because at this point they've earned the right to stick up for themselves. Here's my, here's my thing that really yeah. annoyed me about a lot of Cardinals fans uh, that I was talking about this with. Uh, the rationale was like, okay, well, they, when they hit Pete, it was a changeup. One, if you can't, if you're locating a changeup way up high and tight, I don't know what you're doing. That's like a pitch you need to try and get him to chase. That's a whole nother discussion. At the same time, if you can't locate your changeup, you know, you shouldn't be throwing it. Throw your fastball, whatever. At the same time, when Chris Bassett makes his comments in the postgame and blames the balls and like tries to address MLB on it, a Cardinals pitcher, Miles Mykolos, who just shut us out for seven innings, so props to him, tells Bassett and tells the media. You know, it's not the ball's fault. Take some accountability for the pitches that you throw. If you you can't play both sides in that case. If you have a player on your team saying the pitchers are responsible for where they throw the ball because he was mad at Bassett for throwing at Cardinals players, then you can't play that card when your player gets hit in that same vein. Like, you can't play both sides. So, I mean, like, it, I get where they're coming from with the changeup standpoint. But at the same time, Pete Alonso's gotten hit in the head twice this season. If you expect the team to not retaliate, I don't know yeah. what to tell you. Well, it was I, I like the Cardinals. They have they have a good solid team. They did what they felt was necessary. And I don't disagree with anything that they did besides the Nito and whatever coach grabbed I forget his Alonso. Name. Unnecessary. Yeah. I, um, but stand up for yourself. You you should be mad that he missed up towards your head because those are career enders. Those are life enders if you get hit properly. Chris Bassett like, got are, hit in the head. Like he was speaking There's from a reason why the Mets were so angry, but it is all those factors. You know, Bassett is right that the balls are terrible. It's the reason why MLB let the players, let the pitchers start to use sticky stuff in the first place because they know the balls are trash. Yep. The players took it way too far, started to take advantage because if you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. It is, but instead of addressing the problem, which is the baseball, they just got rid of the solution of the bad problem. And right. now you're seeing some of the, and there's a lot of young there. This is an era of, if you have the stuff, we're going to bring you to the big leagues because you're cheap. And as a, so a lot of bullpen guys come in, they know they can throw the shit out of the ball. They can, excuse my language this episode, no, but I'm fired we're up. hot right now. They we're can, throw, they like can throw the ball really hard, have high spin rates, and have good stuff. They have not earned the right or earned the ability to know exactly how to use their stuff. Yeah. It's They're not, they don't have the same experiences of pitching like this. So what used to be guys that have a lot of control, by the time you get to the big leagues, you've learned how to harness your stuff. Now you just get put in the big leagues when you have big league stuff. You may not know how to locate it or consistently, um, you know, handle different atmospheres and, and elevations to be able to, 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 to control your stuff. And so you have this perfect storm of a, a inconsistent baseball, guys that have extreme velocity, um, pitching up in the zone as an effect on purpose 
which is pretty much new. And then you have guys that have amazing stuff that don't have the same amount of control of guys in the past. So you have all these things working uh, against or working towards guys or teams like the Mets getting hit more often. And it happened and it happened too often. And now the Mets are saying it's not going to happen again. If you do it again, your guy's getting dotted. I don't care what pitch it is. I don't care what it ha- what happens. I don't care if it was on purpose or not. We're not putting up with it anymore. We did the right thing for this whole beginning of the season, and it's over. Everybody should be aware that the Mets will stand up for themselves upon first. Yep. We will, and we will, you no longer get the benefit of the doubt. Any team that comes in and plays against the the New York Mets, whether we're at your place or ours, we are going to stand up for ourselves. And I love it. Teams are going to know it's going to be a real thing. And if, if their pitching coaches and their players don't discuss it when they talk about scouting reports, then this is going to continue to happen. And if it happens again, guess what? The next team better understand in their scouting reports that if you hit a Met, you can still pitch inside. I would still try to throw inside. And if I hit a guy, I hit a guy because you have to be able to throw in to be effective. But understand there's going to be some consequences because the Mets have earned the right to be defensive. I agree with everything you said. Honest, I like that this is a hot episode. Let's get a little hot. Let's get a little fire. Yeah, man. I'm not normally a, a, a curse type. I think it's warranted, but yeah, but I get fired up, especially in, you know, being, I've been in a clubhouse for so long. I understand the, the feelings that go on and it's really important for the position players to know that the pitchers care about them too. Yep. You remember when Lindor got hit, he was on his way out going into the dugout, going in to get his x-rays and was like, I appreciate every one of you because everybody, the whole team felt that that was wrong and they stood up for him. And it's the same now. It's the same thing. So if Marte gets hit and he's like, what is happening? Everybody, all those guys in the bullpen stand up or like, Ooh, you know what I mean? Everybody's Mm -hmm. on edge and it's warranted now. So the whole team is behind it. Everybody's got each other's backs. I hope that we don't ever have to see any of this pop up again because the Mets no longer get hit up high and tight if a breaking ball gets away from somebody and hits a guy in the thigh, he'll jog down the first base, you know, and just be like, look, that's part of the game. Things happen. But if you come up and in and your first reaction, I think, you know, listen to Todd Zeal on the broadcast. He talked about it. Your first reaction is that hurt. Like, yeah, you did that. You did that to me. I'm mad mm-hmm. and you deserve to be mad. Cause that does hurt. Uh, and so Alonso got mad, jumped up, was angry and was like, mm, you know, I'm going to run to first base. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to get suspended, get some of my teammates hurt in a skirmish, but he's mad. And I think the Mets handled it great. I think the Cardinals did a pretty good job because they're a classy organization for the most part. I think things went about as smoothly as possible. Nobody else got extended injuries. There was no real bad things happening. I, I I like where it went. I think the the Cardinals did a good job of standing up for themselves, but ultimately this is a Mets pod, man. Yeah. They're, they're in a good position. I think they stood up for themselves. I think they put the league on notice. They didn't do it in a classless way. I wish they would have just plunked him right in the ribs. Mm-hmm. Arenado would have worn it and it would have been over, you know, it would have hurt. And your best players are going to wear one in the ribs. If you hit a Mets, um, a Met player. So yeah. I think it's where we're, we're, where we are, where we need to be for everything. I think again, this clubhouse, this Buck Showalter led team is doing things in the right way. This is old school. The new school would be like, just put your head down, go to first. Mm-hmm. These aren't on purpose. Nobody's trying to end anybody's career. You know, this is let the kids play kind of era. No, no, no. This is still baseball. This is still a hundred plus years of history of you don't hit our guys. Yeah. This is the real deal. This and it was is also perfect- like two sides of a coin because you had Alonzo who got up and for a second fans everywhere were like, oh, is it about to happen? Like, is he about to run at this kid? And then he went to, you know, he jogged to first. He made the veteran decision, which I really liked, even though that's a tough spot to be in because your blood is boiling at that point. It's the second time in 20 games that's happened to you. At the same time, we mentioned the Lindor scuffle. We mentioned both of Alonzo's getting hit in the heads. Marte, first one out, first one on the step every single time is Buckshaw Walter because he vouches for his guys. And that is like 
the other side of the coin there of like he'll get into the scrum if he needs to. Buck's an old guy, but I wouldn't fuck with Buck because honestly, like, hey, that's a little round. No, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's a t-shirt. They right don't. That is a t-shirt. Speaking of t-shirts, you're rocking the great human being. Ooh. I love seeing it. I haven't gotten mine yet uh it looks fantastic yeah, you thanks, look kind of ripped in it you've been doing some push-ups I, it, hugs, it hugs the arms it hugs the arms <laughs> i'm flat let's just say buck showalter is the guy he's he's got such great understanding of the moment he doesn't let an emotion get too high in a sense so when he's pissed it's deserved yeah. you don't feel like he's a hothead and he's just like you know starting something and the guys, the guys understand that when Buck's mad, it's okay to feel upset. Yeah. So the Mets are in a great position. They, they, they are, they did everything the right way and they are in a great position to defend themselves. Now. I think it's, I think they're in a, in a, not obviously the, everything is going great because nobody got hurt. Thank goodness. Sure. Nothing's too bad. Is that you don't see a Kevin Pillar. Yeah. You know, but teams better think twice. Yeah, you better I mean, have an understanding. We 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 got our we got our emotions out, but there are still plenty of great things that came from this series, including the fact that the Mets won a series at Bush Stadium, which they don't do a lot. Uh, they're fourteen yeah. and six. It's uh, one of only four Mets teams in history to win at least thirteen of their first eighteen games. Three of those seasons are pretty special: nineteen eighty six, twenty fifteen, twenty twenty two, obviously, and then twenty eighteen is in there as well. Kind of a weird Mets team Ugh. in general. Yeah, yeah you that's have a lot my of least thoughts. favorite. That's my least favorite <laughs> season I've ever played baseball in. We'll dive in one day. One it's day. historic, man. They look good. They they haven't. And again, man, it hasn't been this dominating. You know, one guy's doing it. One guy's carrying. Yeah, it hasn't team. been. It hasn't been overwhelming. They're just playing a good brand of baseball. Nobody's carrying the load. Nobody's going like on this amazing hot streak where they're the Mets are unhittable because Pete Alonso has hit 15 home runs in eight games. You know, it hasn't been that it's just been a good brand of baseball, really, really good pitching. Um, and like, this is the New York Mets, you know, it's amazing that they still have another couple of gears left in there when they need to turn it on. Yeah. I think it's in there. So this is a team that won the series with two out runs. They lead MLB with 47 runs scored with two outs. And this is also a team that carried their guy this series. Francisco Lindor was in an 0 for 15 stretch during this Cardinals study. Went just one for 14 in the series. But other guys picked him up, and that's what it's all about. Next man up type thing. Next man up. That's the another key. Another shirt. That, I like that. Another shirt. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the, that's the motto, man. They've been saying it for a while. It's true. Like, um, Scherzer pitched an unbelievable outing against Miles Michaelis, uh, and then the next man up got it. You yep. know, then, then Bassett came in and stepped up. Cookie tried to do the same thing. And then – you know, whoever came in after him is trying to be the next man up and yep. you're just trying to pass the baton onto your teammates and, in a putting them in a chance to just, you just want to do your job, keep the Mets wherever, wherever the score is, you want to, you want to, as a pitcher, you just want to keep it there. And then as a hitter, you just want to keep the, keep the line moving, get yeah. on base somehow to let the guys behind you do it. So nobody feels too much pressure because they know that the guy behind them has their back, man. It's awesome. All right, I think it's time for our little apple of the eye, if you're down. I love it. I am down. Jack. I, I'm going to go first. Hang on. You all right with that? I'm all right so, with it. The apple of our eye. There it is. All right. <laughs> so I had a, I had a two, two things I wanted to do. Okay. I wanted to highlight Mr. James McCann. Yeah. Um, I almost chose him, but he only played one of the three games. But he went three for four. Uh, had a huge double, uh, a run scored and he, he, his swing looks good. It looked really solid. He looked like he was taking a better path to the ball. So I wanted to highlight him. Had he played in two games and done a little bit better, I think I would have, I would have picked him, but I'm going, I'm taking the, the low hanging fruit, the easy pick. And I'm going with Mr. Mad Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer dominated. Yeah. He, he matched. Miles Michaelis, punch for punch, pitch for pitch in that, that opening game. That first game of the series when you're on the road is so pivotal because you can you can lose the, the next one and still feel like you can win the series. But yeah. the, you know, that watching him, he looked like the dominant force of Max Scherzer, the the peak performance, because it, he's labored through, not even labored. 
he's dominated his earlier starts in a in a non-typical Max Scherzer fashion. Yeah. He's been mixing in a lot of things, but the seven innings, two hits, one walk, ten punchies. Yeah. Like another double-digit punchy. He looked, he was just he made Nolan Arenado looked absolutely foolish on an at bat. Like he took a first pitch fastball, Arenado, and you watched him melt down after that. And he knew that he was, he's like, I missed my pitch. I'm done. Now it's over. Scherzer knew it on the mound. You saw him just throw sliders about this far out of the zone. And Arenado just wave at him and just go sit down because he knew he missed his one pitch. Like he just had a really good lineup full of really talented players off balance all day. So my apple of my eye is Mr. Max Scherzer. Love that. And I liked what you said, because I don't think, yeah, labored is not the right word for those first two starts, but I think that the Max Scherzer effect on me is taking place now because it's like, oh, this guy can just turn it on. And if he has it, hitters cannot touch him for the rest of the day. First two starts, it was 11 innings, four and runs, 13 Ks. That's good. That's a 3.27 ERA. Last two, seven innings and seven innings, both times less than three hits allowed. 10 strikeouts in both starts like that is he's also got another gear dude yeah like we haven't even punch out 20 yeah that is a fantastic like he's got another gear so we're seeing we saw this is of the the max scherzer form this is the guy that we paid that big money to that uncle stevie convinced to come to new york because he's got a couple of years of this pure dominance left and this is who we paid for, and that's who we're getting, man. He's a guy that can get it done like he did in previous starts, but we're also seeing him still in his prime. It's it's awesome. All right, so mine, I'm going to go on the hitting side of things. A couple of good choices here. Eduardo Escobar had a good series, went four for 11 with a double and a walk, another walk for Eddie. Jeff McNeil didn't play in all three games, but when he did play, he was four for eight with three doubles. He was great this series. Mine is going to go to my guy Mark Canna. I'll tell you why. Obviously, Canna got on base a ton this series. That's what he does. He goes four for nine, two walks, and a hit by pitch. I think that he could have gone one for nine this series, and I think I still would have given him my award just for that at-bat in the ninth inning of game one. Gary talked about it on the broadcast, and they brought up a very interesting conversation that they had after that game about Canna because he's facing a bunch of new pitchers this season. He's facing all these new teams, going to all these new ballparks. It's like he's starting fresh again, like kind of relearning the major leagues a little bit because it's a whole new palette. What he said to Gary was, if I had swung first pitch and I hit a home run, that's great. That's a really great result. But I feel like I haven't learned anything from that at bat. And Canna's whole thing is working counts and making sure he sees everything that a pitcher has to offer. So with Gallegos, Gallegos, I think, threw him like six of seven sliders in that at bat, like just pounding sliders in all corners of the zone. Kenna has a great eye. We all know this. And he just really waited for his great pitch. I mean, he went down 0-2 in the count really early. Mets went down to their last strike. And then he just fought and battled and he hooked a pretty good pitch down the left field line. No one made a great stop. He was in the right he was in the right place, just took too many steps. But without that Kenna at bat, it's probably an out. Uh, if you get to the next at bat, McNeely's the double, Dami's to do his thing, but none of that rally happens without Canna working Gallegos for seven pitches, then not giving him an out, so getting him tired in the first place, and then all these other dominoes fall in effect after. But that's just kind of the effect that Mark Canna brings to this lineup. It's like having a second Nimmo just randomly in the lower half of the order, and that's such a useful weapon because we saw what Nimmo did later in the inning to kind of seal the game. But when you have this, like, 400 on-base threat that can get on base, you know, one to two times every single game in conventional ways – it just it sets the table, and it's like we said before: next man up, pass the baton. When you have Mark Mc, when you have Mark Canna in the middle of that baton line, it's always going to keep going, which I love. So Canna had a great series, gets on base seven times, and he gets my apple. I love it. I want to I touch on Mark Canna and, and that conversation that they had uh, because it's important. This is a student of the game. This is another thing where he he. He pulled the curtain back on a little bit on some of the guys that make themselves special. Like you, you mentioned um, Jeff McNeil. Yeah. I don't think it's comparable in a sense because they can hit everything or they're, they're taking a lot of pitches. I think it's a different approach though. I think Jeff McNeil is just allowing his talents to work. Yeah. And this is Mark Canna maximizing his talent because he's, he's up there and he's being cerebral. So he talked about, he got a first pitch cur- or a first pitch slider. 
and it was like a cement mixer. It was one of those that just kind of hung up. Yeah. And so he knew where it started, uh, uh, right below his knee, and it kind of just sat there, and he, he's 0-1. So then he got another one that was the almost the same pitch in the same location, and he took a big swing at it, except this one was a sharp one. Mm-hmm. And he goes, okay, that had a lot more depth to it. He goes, so in order for that to be a strike, I'm going to have to see it above my knee. So he's already seen a bad slider and a good slider from him. He knows exactly if he needs to, whatever pitch he needs to see needs to be above his knee to remain a strike. And so he took some really good sliders that started exactly in the same spot, Mm -hmm. but he didn't make the mistake of chasing again. He said, all right, now it has to start a little bit higher than that. And he battled and battled and battled and got a pitch that he wanted to hit and took a good swing at it. Arenado should have made the play because he's Nolan Arenado. But you, like you said, it, it's a guy studying because the next time he faces uh, uh, Gallegos, I thought I said Cabrera, yep, but Gallegos, it. the next time he faces him, he has a notebook that he writes the stuff in. He will know when he goes in to face him already that approach, and he'll still see a few pitches, but this guy is collecting data. Mm-hmm. He's he's analyzing, understanding pitch to pitch what's going on. I used to do the same thing on the, on the pitcher's side. I used to understand like, all right, this guy tried to jump this pitch here. I can move it in a little bit further there and whatever situation, what he, what your tendencies are, all of that, that he's understanding from his, you know, from his personal point of view, what he has to see in order for the ball to be a strike. And it's wonderful to see. It's even more amazing that he's able to articulate it because some guys are just really talented and just do that naturally and don't really understand what they're doing. But you're seeing Mark Canna, understand his ability in baseball and what he has to do to be the best at it. And you seeing him apply it and being able to talk about it, which is a completely different skill. So awesome. I'm glad that you highlighted it. And I love the addition of Mark Hanna. Yeah. I mean, I have his pitch graph up here now from that at bat pitches two and four, two is the slider that he swung at that fell out of the zone. Four is another slider that's in the exact same place, but he takes it because he learned from that initial swing. And then that enables him to get to three, two enables him to get a pitch in the zone on the seventh pitch. By the way, they were all sliders. That's the only thing guy goes all sliders. Yeah. Crazy. So that was a crazy at bat. Great series from Mark Canna. And uh, I, I like that you highlighted Jeff McNeil there too, because he did have a great series in those first two games. And he's just, he has this like simplified approach now. It feels like he's thinking way less about his at-bats, getting way less in his head. I think what Ronnie said on the broadcast was like he was overloaded with information last year. And now it just looks like he has a simplified approach. And his numbers are very, very similar to what we saw in 2018 through 2020. So yeah, we saw he hit hit four for eight with three doubles. Like those are legit, like slugging percentage numbers. You hit three doubles. Like, it may not look like 20, what do you hit, 23, 20-something home runs uh, uh, in 19? He hit, like, 20-something home runs. Those are going to happen just because he's he's a good hitter and he's going to run into a few. But when he shouldn't be trying to hit 20-plus homers. He shouldn't be – he's going to hit doubles and an occasional triple. His slugging percentage is going to be high enough because he can hit the ball in the gap down the line – go the other way. So he'll get his power numbers, but I don't think he should be chasing. I don't think he should be chasing 20 plus home runs. Like I think he was in 2020 and 2021. Yeah. I mean, he has five doubles right now. The season you're talking about 2019, he had 23 homers, 38 doubles. So right now he's on a pace to get to about 36 to 38 doubles, which would put him right in that 2019 vein. You don't need him to hit 23 home runs. He's already slugging 492 right now. Can I can I give you a weird example? We're going to I'm kind of sure. going to go I'm going to pivot away. So this is kind of the the information overload, right? So a guy like Jeff McNeil hits 20 How many home runs did he hit in 2019? 2019 he hit 23 home runs. 23 home runs. Okay. So on these like so the data would say the analytical side of this would say on these pitches you're launching the ball like this, your swing path is this. Let's replicate that on every swing because these are when you're making your most damage. So let's do that every time. Okay. Sounds smart, doesn't it? Sure. Let's just do the thing that makes you the best version of yourself. Let's do it all the time. The difference is those pitches, those swings come on pitches that he's that are mistakes and that he is reacting to. Right. So now because of his approach and how he's attacking all those pitches, sometimes a pitcher is going to make a mistake. And where he is at in his swing, all of a sudden he gets that hanging breaking ball and he goes, 
boom, mm. hands do it. It comes naturally. And now if you're forcing that swing all the time, pitchers are also going to notice that and they're going to pitch him differently. They're like, hey, he's trying to launch everything. So if we keep the ball down, he's going to swing over top of it or pop it up or roll it over. And so they cha- that changes everything. It's, it's your approach, what makes you good doesn't mean that you only have to do that. And from a pitcher standpoint, it's a guy that has a great slider. It's a, a wipeout slider. It, it flies off the zone. Guys chase it all the time. It has this amazing high chase rate, right? Yep. So why don't you just throw that all the time? Well, if guys know you're throwing just that pitch all the time, they're not going to chase it. Just like Mark Hanna did, they're going to find out the version of that pitch that is a strike, and they're only going to look for that. Whereas before you were effective with that because you were throwing that fastball up and in and then off that fastball up and in you're getting the slider away. Well, your fastball doesn't rate that high in analytics, but they don't. So they are going to shy away from you throwing that fastball. They just want you to throw that slider because your slider is elite. They don't understand that that fastball that you throw that's not great is setting your slider up in the whole at bat. So there's an analytical side to things. And then there's a baseball side of things and you got to have that happy marriage. And I think that's exactly where, where McNeil needs to be. And I think all that information of his launch angle and all those analytics, all that stuff was too much for him, just like they talked about in the broadcast. Uh, and then you just let him be himself, let him react. Mark Canna is more of that guy. Let's try to see what you can do with this kind of style. Yeah. Let McNeil be McNeil and let him take advantage of mistakes in, in a in a completely re- reactionary way and not try to force it. Right, and I think what contributes directly to what you're saying is the fact that McNeil's out-of-zone swing percentage is 29.1% this year. It's the lowest it's been in, in his career. His zone swing percentage pitches in the zone that he's swinging at, 87.4, highest in his career. So he just has a great judgment of pitches right now. Everything's simplified, and like you said, he's going off recognition and reaction instead of just planning to golf I feel like I saw him golf so many low fastballs and sinkers last season straight into the air trying to pull things for power he was trying to replicate what came as a reaction he's trying to replicate it with every swing and guys can't do that you know for every Daniel Murphy that's out there there's a Jeff McNeil that a hundred of them that that can't make that adjustment and they're just not that style of player yeah so I'm glad to see him return to form I think he's even a better version of himself. Obviously, it's easy when you're hitting 300 plus, but I think he's a more mature person now. I haven't seen those outbursts. Again, you you know, rose. Everything's glasses, easier when you're seeing, winning. Everything's yeah, yeah. easier, but he hasn't had those same blowups, which I think are a huge step for him to stay and maintain a long season and, and maintain a high ability of output without having those those extreme lulls those will help you get out of those slumps yeah and I, I i keep hearing like the like what we said like rose tinted glasses everything's better when you're winning but like i remember seeing mcneil's outburst in 2019 when he was having the best year of his career like i, exactly. I do think there is a character change here for sure what yeah so i hope i think it is and i i have seen it it's the thing where you're like all right well, you don't want to sign off that he's a completely changed man because you you go uh, in a 0 for 20 slump, it's going to change your whole output. Yeah. But I think he's he's mature enough now to be able to weather those storms and stay kind of even keel. And I think that's going to I think that's why I think he's better now than he was even in 2019. So we love Jeff McNeil, we love Max Scherzer, we love Mark Canna. Thank God we didn't trade Jeff McNeil, right? It feels so weird to think that there were serious talks about trading him in the offseason. Bizarre. Uh, that's, you know, of all the brilliant additions to the Mets roster, the Scherzers, the Martes, the Escobar Canna, Bassett, you know, all these great additions. And then you have the guys you didn't subtract, yeah. I think, that are are making a big impact. So They won you a game in the first game, and they won you that series by proxy. That yeah, is. man. I mean, those are those are big moves. The moves that you don't make are also pretty, pretty important. So that's that's nice. Some extra news for Mets fans. Tommy Hunter's back on a minor league deal. Claps for Tommy Hunter. He's back. Yeah. If you if you if you have a moment, go back and (laughs) and look up his first hit postseason or post game conference. It was awesome. You'll see the pure joy of baseball at its best. The guy is so happy. I've been there, buddy. I'm happy for Tommy Hunter. He had back surgery. Seems to be all better. Uh, 
we could see him in Queens, uh, hopefully in the near future. He's a good ball player. So. One of my favorite people from that uh, unfortunate 2021 team. So happy Tommy Hunter's back. We got our DeGrom update. It's kind of strange. A lot of touchy lingo here. The big uh, buzz phrase, I guess, is loading and strengthening of the shoulder. That's where we're at right now. Apparently, DeGrom's progress has been good, healing, but uh, we don't have a timetable for his return yet. So there's Yeah, that. now he it's healed enough to where he can start putting stress on it. So it's a stress reaction. So he broke a bone. It's your, your body's like, stop doing that. Yep. And so he stopped. Now he's at a point to where he could start to strengthen, put some stress back on that area. And if it doesn't have a reaction, he can progress to throwing. So we're, we're where we need to be. We were hoping for the miracle that he's healed and he's uh, already stretched out to a hundred pitches and he's going to slide right in uh, to that rotation. Unfortunately, miracles aren't, in the cards right now for him, but uh, we've had some guys weather the storm. I'm just praying for him to come, you know, sometime in July is my hope that he's a hundred percent and we can, you know, get the ball running, expect the worst hope for the best. That's the thing. It's a good moniker there. I think yeah. a lot of Mets fans, big series coming up this weekend at city field against those pesky Philadelphia Phillies. And we do have somebody returning from injury in this series, which is good. Taiwan Walker. We'll be That's right. He'll, he'll take the take the mound in game two. Um, we're dodging Zach Wheeler, which is always a, a nice win. And Ranger Suarez, too. He's pretty good. And Ranger Suarez. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. So uh, we're getting Tyler McGill versus Aaron Nola. Um, Alonzo has had really good success in 31 at-bats against Nola, hitting 355 with three homers. Nice. Nemo, 10 for 30 with a homer. Um, McGill looked good in his his start against the Phillies, so that's good. Game two, we got the return of Taiwan Walker. Thank you to David Peterson for holding down that spot admirably. Like he did great. I'm sure Taiwan he'll be back. Incredible in his two innings with that that split changeup, just punching out the world. Let's hope that he's returned to that form. Uh, he's facing off against Kyle Gibson, who's amazing now. Again, yeah, he, he might he be the best pitcher out? in the Phillies rotation right now, which is really weird. Yeah, very weird. He's done really well. He's he's. You know, for all the, the the crap we talked about analytics, this guy has figured out how to be the best version of himself, I think. So good for him. Uh, and then the game three, Max Scherzer in his sparkling 1.8 ERA facing off against Zach Eflin, who I think he's like the, the has the most control. I don't think he's he's made like 30 some starts without walking more than two hitters. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So uh, their rotation, their team is good. They've they've Schwarber has struggled. Um, we he went zero for twelve, I think, in the first series against. Yeah, we held us. him in check. It was crazy. Yeah, I think he went zero for, which is uh, don't expect that again. About. So let's let's don't expect it again. Let's just put some runs up. So uh, yeah, man, it's going to be a fun series. Enjoy this off day. Yeah, today is an off day for you. It, it's the magical Thursday. Then you have a Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. Should be a good one. Yeah, the uh, the uh, Phillies, they lost their series to the Brewers. They just won three in a row against the Rockies. They have game four today. If they win today, I think they're back at 10-10, and 10, so they'll be a 500 team. Mets obviously in a good spot being 14-6. and six. And they faced Nola before earlier this season. They chased him in the fourth inning with three runs. So that was a good game for them. Uh, we haven't seen Gibby or Eflin yet, and they've kind of been the two guys of the Philly rotation so far, which has been pretty interesting. Wheeler wasn't fully stretched out. Suarez had some interesting things with his visa. Those guys will be better down the stretch. But right now, Gibby and Eflin have kind of been like the guys for the Phillies, which is pretty interesting. And uh, I am very interested to see uh, Schwarber versus Taiwan Walker. Taiwan did get him out when he faced him in those two innings the first time uh, earlier this season. But Schwarber is 5 for 11 with five home runs against Taiwan Walker. That's pretty good. Is that good? I feel like <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> That's what have you done for me lately? And it's the exactly. answer is punched out. I mean, last one at bat, 0 for 1. With a strike I'm excited out, to so. see uh, all of it, but mostly I'm excited to see if Ma if Odubel Herrera battles Max Scherzer again. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. Odubel Herrera takes forever to get in the box. So annoying. Yeah. And Scherzer fired a pitch while he was still standing there, like punched him out. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's had success against him. You got it written they down. They off notes a that lot. Herrera's dude. hit a. In uh, 54 at-bats, which is a big sample. A ton of at-bats against Max Scherzer. 54 at-bats against him. He's hitting 296 with two bombs, which is shocking. You take that against uh, Max Scherzer. You take so that. Scherzer, I guarantee you he knows it, and it drives him insane. So you're going to see him probably throw really hard 
<laughs> against Odubel Herrera. So. Yeah, recently Odubel's been back in the leadoff spot for the Phillies. I guess they moved Schwarber down. I did kind of like Schwarber up there, but I, it probably makes more sense logically for the Phillies lineup. I like him batting leadoff. Yeah. I think it's I think it's awesome. Big on base guy, hits a lot of dongs. So good way to start off your lineup there. What else we got here? Uh, Lindor's batting 349 and 43 at-bats against Gibby. That's good. Uh, Lindor's also going to be mic'd up on Sunday per request of Bryce Harper for Sunday Night Baseball, so that'll be fun. A lot of content's okay. probably going to come from that. Uh, and then what else we got here? Marte's 7 for 11 with a home runoff Eflin. So the Mets have good numbers against these guys. It's going to be a fun series. The last series in Philly was stressful, but a lot of fun. Mets came out the winners in that set. Hopefully we continue the streak and win our seventh series of the year. I agree. Pretty good. Let's do it. All right, man. I think I think that's our spiel. I think we kind of we, we went it. for like we an hour today. It's kind of crazy. I know. Well, we had, we had a we had a lot of talk, a lot of a lot of um, passion. Yeah, very pa- a lot of cuss words on today's episode. Found we might have that. to send out one of those explicit content uh, the little label, hip hop CD yeah. labels on our on our episode. Yeah, we're not gonna let uh, Jerry's kids listen to this one. I don't think they're gonna. It's not gonna be on the car. That's for sure. I don't think my kids have listened to any of it yet. I don't think they're interested at all. Come on, man! You gotta start grooming them to be Mets fans. What do you? Come, what's the whole point? Well, I'll of let this? them. I'll let them uh, enjoy it, and it'll. They're they're they wear Mets gear. They're excited for it, but um, they don't they don't want to listen to Dad talk any more than they have to. <laughs> That's pretty fair. Also, uh, go to shop.jumboymedia.com for new shirts. Oh yeah, we got merch. a whole bunch of new stuff. Whole bunch uh, of new we merch. got the great human being T-shirts. We have the next man up. We have new hoodies with the awesome Apple logo. Um, Blake and Matt in our graphics department did a great job putting it together. Thank you guys. We have stickers, fun stuff. We got the cool mug. Show them the mug. Oh, I got the mug here. We also I got the uh, mug. I have it, but it's we're not recording as early as we normally do. Um, but I'd already had my coffee, but. Go check out uh, the shop on, you can click on Shea Station and all of our gear will come up. Uh, so go buy some stuff. It's Links really cool. on our Twitter. We put up a big strong man t-shirt for Pete Alonso because he said he's a big strong man and could put somebody I in the hospital. I could put somebody in the hospital Crazy if I wanted quote. to. Kind of love Oh, it. he's such a, such a goober. What a goober statement. Strong goober. I think that's though. so funny. What? <laughs> he's a strong goober. The best I'm kind. a big strong man. I could put somebody in the hospital <laughs> easily. <laughs> We love Pete Alonzo. Like, we love you guys. Check out the we merch. Do. Uh, it's pretty hot. I like it. For Jolly, I'm Jerry. And for Thank Jerry. You for tuning into Shea Station. And for Jerry and Mets. Jolly, let's go Mets. We, we fucked that up. It's okay. Let it roll. I didn't. We didn't. <laughs> I fucked it up. You did. Don't. And you, uh, again, explicit content. Sorry. We already warned them. It's okay. <laughs> let's go Mets. Let's go Mets.